Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Cinema's Soft Underbelly. I'm your host, Eugene Weaver. And if you're listening, then you probably have figured out already that this show is all about horror movies, fantasy movies, gems in the rough, uh, little scene movies, movies that should be discovered. And uh, that's why I'm here, to bring you those movies. And uh, today I am actually going to be talking about a, uh, a more recent movie. Uh, and one that I'm actually going to be talking about on Movie Freaks, but I wanted to spend a little, which we're probably going to be taping later today, but I wanted to spend a little bit more time on that movie on my own show because it fits so perfectly on Soft Underbelly. And uh, so without further ado, today's episode, I'm going to be focusing primarily on Eli Roth's The Green Inferno. And uh, this movie, uh, obviously directed by Eli Roth, and it has an interesting uh, history. Um, and I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go over some notes here that uh, that I've jot I've jotted down. Um, basically, the movie was supposed to be coming out at the end of 2013. Um, uh, actually, I'm gonna read I'm gonna read. Uh, some some different stuff here. Uh, it was supposed to come out. Uh, they started advertising this a while ago. It was supposed to come out, and then the production company that was backing this movie, I guess, went belly up, and uh, and so the the movie was dropped. Um, so along comes Jason Blum from Blumhouse Productions, and uh, Blumhouse Productions is just churning out lots of horror movies and. Personally, I think the guy gets a bad rap and his production company. I've seen some really, really good movies come out of uh, Blumhouse, uh, one of which is Area 51. I really liked Area 51, and I know I'm possibly the only person that actually likes that movie. Uh, so anyway, uh, Blumhouse production gets the rights to the movie, and, uh, and finally, the movie is released this past weekend. Uh, interesting note here <clears throat> with Eli Roth... And, and his movies, his movies are very graphic and you more than likely, if you're listening to this show, you probably already know that, uh, he's done cabin fever and the two hostile movies. And he also did a trailer in between the grindhouse, a uh, double feature from Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez called Thanksgiving, which was great. That was probably the best of those fake trailers. And, uh, he did nation's pride that played during, uh, scenes of it played during inglorious bastards. And uh, then he's also been producing some different stuff, starring in some different stuff. So um, while he hasn't directed a lot of movies, uh, he has been, you know, doing stuff. Uh, and he's got another one coming out here in another couple of weeks, I believe, with uh, starring Keanu Reeves. Uh, something I'm, I'm not, I don't have the title up in front of me, but uh, it looks good. So Keanu Reeves is a pretty big A-list actor, so I'm looking forward to that. So one thing that of note, though, I was, I was very impressed that uh, supposedly um, the ratings board did not request any cuts to obtain an R. He got an R rating for this movie uh, without having to make any cuts. And Cabin Fever, he had to make cuts. Hostel 1 and Hostel 2 he did. And I will say, say this. 
I have seen the R-rated versions of all three of those, and they are still really nasty movies. Uh, the uh, the added gore, especially to uh, Hostile Two, really adds to the movie. Uh, and even even the Cabin Fever doesn't feature a whole lot of extra added gore, but uh, but one thing that I really like is that Lionsgate kind of re-edited the movie a little bit before its theatrical presentation, and um, it was good. I I love Cabin Fever, but. Uh, here several years ago, they released the unrated director's cut of Cabin Fever on Blu-ray, and it's, it's much better. Uh, it, there's a few more minutes back put back into the movie, and um, some of it is just more exposition, a little bit different ending, and all of it works for the movie. And again, I, I why why there's none of the stuff that's back in or changed around. Um, harms the movie. In fact, it makes it better. So I'm not quite sure why Lionsgate decided, hey, you know what we're going to do? Let's go and change things around and make it not quite as good. I, I, I don't get why studios do that. It doesn't make any sense to me. But anyway, I'm just glad we have the unrated version of that movie now. Uh, so uh, anyway, back to The Green Inferno. Um, I'm just getting my notes out here. So this is obviously, if you're a big fan of horror movies like I am, then you're probably going to figure out fairly early on that this is Eli Roth's uh, homage to Cannibal Holocaust from uh, director Rogero Diodato from 1980, as well as Umberto Lenzi's uh, Cannibal Ferox. Um, in fact, to me, this movie feels a little bit more like Cannibal Ferox than it does Cannibal Holocaust. Cannibal Holocaust had a very somber, grim depressing, um, serious tone to it, whereas Cannibal Ferox had more of a sleazy, uh, typical Italian uh, hardcore horror feel. Uh, Both are excellent movies. Uh, Those are two of my favorite old-school Italian grindhouse splatter flicks. And this one here definitely is trying to be that, or at least pay homage to those movies. Um, so <clears throat> I did like the movie, uh, of course. I, I figured it's an Eli Roth movie. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like it. I like his directing style. Um, I, I know that he has a certain air about him that, that people uh, that sometimes can come across as very arrogant. Um, but you know what? I give him props. I have been a supporter of this guy for a long time. Uh, you know, he, at a young age, he just started doing this stuff. And even on the Cabin Fever disc, there is some shorts that he made. The Rotten Fruit there are, is one of them, and it's like these stop-motion uh, nasty fruit that kill each other or whatever. And it's hilarious. Uh, but I just, I like that he's been doing this ever since he could. And he loves the the same movies that I do. Like, literally, it's... Some of his favorite movies are the same with me. I mean, one of his favorite movies is, is uh, J.P. Simon's Pieces. That's one of my favorite slasher movies. Um, so it's just, he seems very similar to me in, in movie taste. And uh, especially with his movies uh, aping the Italian cinema, horror cinema from, from the uh, late 70s, early 80s. And this also trickles into not just, not just Green Inferno, but stuff like uh, Hostel Part Two. I thought was very, uh, very much paying homage to different, not like Night Train Murders is in there. Yeah, I, I felt that. Uh, and there's this different, it has a feel to it that uh, is very reminiscent of those movies, which are near and dear to my heart. So 
Uh, anyway, uh, but the Green Inferno is, uh, I think, the closest thing to what he's done to pay homage to those movies. I'm saying homage way too much, and I don't care because that's what this movie is. So uh, the storyline itself is... Uh, it's here, here's I'm going to get into some negativity with this movie, um, but again, it is still a good movie. Uh, but group of, of student activists travel to the Amazon to save the rainforest and soon discover they are not alone and that no good deed goes unpunished. Um, Lorenza uh, Izo, I think is how you pronounce her name. Um, Ariel Levy. Aaron Burns is in this. Um, honestly, not a whole lot of people that you would have uh, heard of. I know that uh, one of the characters and I'm trying to find uh, there's one of the characters that was actually the uh, the little boy in the Spy Kids movies, so I thought that was kind of neat, and I liked him. He was actually kind of the comic relief in the movie. Uh, Ariel Levy is uh, Alejandro, and he was also in Aftershock, which is another movie that Eli Roth starred in and I believe produced. Now, that brings up one of my main issues with this movie is uh, more than... And the lead actress, I liked her. But most of the side characters, I didn't like. Um, maybe, and I hate to say this, maybe it was their accents, their Spanish accents, but it very much felt... Um, it just felt like kind of bad acting to me. I'm surprised that they went with the casting choices that they did. Um, because the script isn't that bad. I, I, I mean, it gets from point A to point B to, I mean, it, it follows up like, okay, now these activists are going to be going over to stop, uh, these bulldozers from bulldozing areas of the rainforest where there's indigenous tribes there. And, uh, okay, I get it, and there's a plot that's going on in the background with that and politics that are going on in the background with that whole storyline, leading to an airplane crash, leading to them getting captured, and then leading to uh, this tribe of cannibals uh, graphically killing and eating some of them while our lead, a couple of our lead actors are trying to escape. Um, so... The acting choices are, or the casting choices were what bothered me with the movie, honestly, and a very slow start to the movie. There's about 30 minutes before anything really significant happens in the movie, and this is an, about a little over an hour and 40 minutes, and I'm going to tell you, um, cutting 15 minutes out of this movie would have been perfect. If they would have cut 15 minutes out of the movie and uh, replaced some of the side characters, this would have been awesome. Uh, now, on top of that, and this is just a personal preference here. This is just personal preference. Uh, I also think that if he went this far with making a, an Italian cannibal movie, if he went this far, I think that he should have gone just that little extra mile and either filmed it in 16 millimeter uh, or at the very least at the very least, did uh, the whole grindhouse type effect to it, to where you really like maybe put some some old filter, like old school film look filter on the movie. Uh, it looks very clean and video digital, and and it's a beautiful movie. I mean, there this thing was shot uh, I, either in the Amazon or was it Peru, uh, but it was shot in the jungle. And uh, in fact, um, I guess one of the the original uh, film crew. They quit after the first day, uh, or some of the people quit after the first day because it was 110 degrees. 
of filming this thing. So he had to get a different, uh, a different crew to help make the movie. Um, so anyway, I, but just a couple of the actors, I'm like, oh, they're, they're trying to speak somewhat decent English and it just sounds like bad acting to me. Um, and also, uh, Guy for what's her name? Sky Ferreria. Um, I she's in the beginning and the end of the movie, and I guess she's she is uh, um, she's a singer, but I, I didn't like her even a little bit. She her acting was so stilted and silly and dumb. I'm like, oh my lord! I mean, her character could have literally been cut out of the entire movie, and I get it. She's there to try and stop her best friend from going over to the Amazon to do this thing. It's a stupid idea, blah blah blah. But it's like, ooh, it's bad. Um, so anyway, I'm getting all the negatives out of the way before I focus on some really good positive stuff here. Uh, so, and that's pretty much it. Honestly, should have been a little bit tighter, uh, better paced, and then some of the acting choices. The casting choices I did not like at all. Um, and the music, I thought the score was really, really good. However, if he, again, if he went this far with making something like this, I think that he should have gone all the way. And like I said, you know, made the picture quality that of an old Grindhouse movie. And then even the music, make it more of a, a silly sound. I don't want to say silly because it's, it's great music. But the, the score for Cannibal Holocaust and Cannibal Ferox are so good. And so iconic in that genre, I think that if he could have gone and done something a little bit more like that instead of your traditional scary movie type score. And it's good. It's, it works just fine. Um, in fact, it's very effective. But I think that it would have made the movie even better having gone that route. Okay, so there's some of the things that I did not like about this movie. And by the way, this is I was hoping that this was going to be the best the best movie Eli Roth has made thus far, and it is not. I still think that Hostel 2 is his best movie. I love Hostel 2. I don't get the hate for that movie. It is everything that Hostel 1 was, but better. And uh, it's just a grisly, brutal horror movie. And this is a grisly, brutal horror movie as well. I will say this. The movie is not scary, and neither is Cannibal Holocaust and Ferox. They're not scary. They're just, they're gross. And uh, this movie here does succeed in that, that, Area. It is a gross movie. Um, it uh, obviously um, can be effects. Did the effects on this movie? So the effects are top notch. Um, and h- here is one thing. I, there is there is one uh, set piece in the, about the middle of the movie, and I'm not going to spoil it. But let me just say that um, it it's it's rough, um, and you find out that okay, these people are cannibals, and it's it's very gruesome. And then the aftermath is sickeningly funny as far as um, curing meat and smoking meat and all that good stuff. So I'll let your imaginations run with that. Um, It was a great scene. It was disgusting and and brutal and just so hard to watch. And sprinkled throughout the rest of the movie, there are other scenes that are, are pretty rough stuff. And I, you know, like, all right, this is okay, here we go. Uh, But it never reaches the heights of of uh, that particular scene. And I really wish that they would have had a, especially towards the end, they would have had one last big, um, like a Giovanni uh, Lombardo, uh, Giovanni Lombardo Radice scene, like in Cannibal Ferox, where they, they put uh, him in this big board, like underneath this big board with a hole in it. Um, and the top of his head sticking out and they slice the top of his head off. 
revealing the brains, and it's disgusting. And that's after he got, I mean, it was, he got put through the ringer in Cannibal Ferox. And I was hoping for, and even a Holocaust, there was some gross stuff towards the very end, and I wish that there would have been a big payoff in the end. And there wasn't, there was some, you know, there was some pretty gruesome stuff, but it wasn't like those other two movies. Um, having said that, it's still, seeing something like this in the theater is not, it's not something that you're going to see every day, let me just say that, because uh, these types of, and it didn't do that good. You know, I think it only made $3.5 million its opening weekend in a mildly limited release, I think 1,500 theaters. Um, so it didn't do that great, and I can see why, because it's, one, it's really gross, and then two, it's just the subject matter, it does not lend itself well to mainstream audiences. It just doesn't. But bravo for Eli Roth going into the jungle with a cast and crew and making a movie like this. I've heard all sorts of crazy stuff about what they went through to get the movie made, like having to cover themselves from head to toe to sleep at night uh, so that the bugs wouldn't get them and how far back into the jungle they actually had to go to get to the place where they shot, which that has got to be immensely difficult to do. Um, I'm jumping all over the place here. I'm going to actually jump back to the end of the movie, and this is somewhat of a spoiler um, I guess, and I'm going to keep it somewhat vague, but if you have seen Cannibal uh, Ferox, especially, and this is another reason why I think this is similar to Ferox, is uh, there's an exposition scene at the very end of the movie um, as far as with the one lady that survives Ferox, and she's, uh, I don't want to give that, I don't want to say too much, but it's almost discrediting. There are no cannibals left. And this movie, this movie does something very, very similar, um, but it goes on a little too long, and it just felt not. I'm. It, 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 honestly, they wouldn't have had to do it. He, he would not have had to have that part on at all. Um, but I'm guessing that it was it was paying homage to uh, Ferox. So, uh, and make sure you stay through the end credits. I did not. I left, and then I got on my phone, did a search. I'm like, oh, good. There's a there's a midway credit scene that. Uh, it pissed me off that I missed it too, but because um, it sounded cool. Because there was one character that you're wanting to know what happened to that character, and supposedly that mid scene, mid credits scene shows that. So I was disappointed that I was not, I didn't stick around for that. Um, so anyway, I'm gonna talk real briefly, just some different uh, trivia notes here on the movie. Uh, when Eli Roth and his crew approached villagers to be extras in the film, he soon realized that they had never seen a movie and had no concept of what one was. Uh, to demonstrate what a movie was, Eli brought a TV and a copy of Cannibal Holocaust and had a screening for everyone. The villagers loved it and gladly acted in the movie. So the, the, the tribesmen and the, the characters in this movie that are in this village um, that they live at, they, they had never seen a movie and they literally were tribespeople. Um, during his AMA, Eli Roth admitted that the tribe offered a two-year-old uh, live child to be, to be the production designer as a thank you for including them in the film. The production designer politely declined the child. So, okay. Um, according to the film's trailer, the Peruvian jungle natives who will appear in the movie have never been filmed or photographed by any Westerners before. When the villagers were shown Cannibal Holocaust, since they had never seen a movie before, they thought it was a comedy. And that is about the farthest thing from a comedy uh, of any movie that I have ever seen. Uh, Lorenzo uh, Izzo, God, I'm butchering her name, I'm sure, nearly drowned when filming the scene where she is swept away by the river. 
It wasn't until one of the crew realized that her screaming for help was real and they had to rescue her. Some footage of that was kept in the film. And I remember that scene. Uh, Very good scene, actually, and very effective, rightly so. Uh, The film's links to Cannibal Holocaust are numerous. In addition to being one of Eli Roth's favorite horror movies and one that inspired his directing career, the Green Inferno was actually the working title that Ruggiero Diodato used when he was making that movie. It was changed to something more bluntly descriptive and shocking. Um, particularly, particularly with the use of the word Holocaust, um, which I do agree. I mean, Cannibal Holocaust is a great title for a horror movie. Um, uh, let's see here. When the film was shown at the uh, uh, DeVille American Film Festival in France, a member of the audience literally fainted. And I'm guessing it was probably during the uh, the one scene in the middle of the movie that it was... Oof. And by the way, that's another thing that I, uh, that I, reminds me. The, uh, the lead tribeswoman is this old witch-looking thing, and she's so nasty and just gangly, and uh, and she's got like one eye missing or one like it's a, a white whited out eye, and she's so gross. Uh, very effective. The all the tribes people, like the the setting and the tribes people, all of that is so effective. Um, Christian missionaries sang Jesus songs on their boats when arriving to the village. They weren't aware that the movie was being filmed at the village and just saw the props with skeletons and dead bodies shoved through stakes in the ground. Once they saw it, it really freaked them out, so they started singing the Jesus songs louder. They were then told it was for the movie and everyone calmed down. So there was an actual group of Christian missionaries that showed up at this, at this tribe, at this camp, whatever. I think that's interesting. Um... Almost every villager signed up to be in the movie. Some of them were part of the crew. Uh, Children from the tribe went up to Eli Roth and said that they had an idea for the film. He asked what it was, and the kids pulled out a baby python. They thought it would be funny if it was in the cage with the actress. Eli loved the idea, so he decided to go with it and have the kids dangle the snake in their faces. When they went to do it, the kids really got into it, and it appeared the snake was being smacked in actresses' faces. From what Eli was saying, it didn't seem like the actresses knew how dangerous that particular snake was. Um, and oh, here we go. And scorching temperatures reached about 110 degrees during filming, which caused a Peruvian crew, camera crew to quit on their very first day. Um, so uh, there you go. Um, so all in all, the movie is really good. It's a big thumbs up. Um, there are no, unlike the, the, uh, the original Holocaust and Ferox movies. There are no animal butch. There is no animal butchery in this movie like there is in those movies. And those that's one of the reasons why those movies are so well known is that there's it's like almost like a Mondo movie. There's real animal deaths in those movies, and they're staged and like they're, they're okay. We're gonna kill this creature, and it's it's hardcore. I mean, it's really hardcore. Um, uh, so anyway. Um, it's a good movie, uh, not Eli Roth's best, but I am so happy that something like this was, was able to get released on, uh, on the theaters and I was actually able to go see it. Um, a couple more notes here before I wrap up, despite prominent billing and early advertising of the movie dating back to end of 2013, that Sky Ferreira portraying a prominent character in the film. Her role as leading protagonist Justine's best friend is not among the college activists which became become preyed upon in the Amazon. Ferreria uh, had been in an earlier online discussion, had been confused with Kirby Bliss Blanton's character, Amy, who is the first release still, is being marketed by the tribe 
And I'm not sure why I'm saying this. All of that is just gibberish, whatever. And I'm not going to cut it out either because I, meh. So yeah, something about uh, our drugged out, whatever the singer lady girl is. But I, I wasn't impressed with her. Um, uh, there was a couple other notes that I wanted to uh, to make on the movie. Um, uh, yeah, it the uh, oh, and after the uh, supposedly after the end credits, there was a uh, for Ruggiero, it, it says on the screen, so that's kind of neat. Uh, and again, I'm just I'm just slightly disappointed that that some of the casting choices because this could have been a fantastic movie, at least for horror fans. But uh, as it is, it's a very good movie. I really enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to watching it again. And there's some great effective scenes. The car, the, the plane crash scene is really good. Um, the tribes people are really good. The location is really, really good. But uh, just a couple of those things just drop it down a notch for sure. So, and again, I'm going to give a shorter review on Movie Freaks, and Eric and I will, I'm sure, be going back and forth on. Uh, Eli Roth movies a little bit and all that good stuff, but uh, for what it's worth, it, I liked the movie, uh, and I'm I, I, it's no surprise that that I did because I get into these things. So, uh, and I also leading into this, uh, I did want to make mention again of the Fulci movies coming up uh, at the Nightlight Cinema in Akron. It's Four Nights of Fulci. October 9th is House by the Cemetery. October 10th is Zombie. October 16th is City of the Living Dead, and October 17th is The Beyond. And I've spent a lot of time talking about this, these movies, this series, uh, promoting it, as well as Eric promoting it, and even uh, my friend Stephen on Cinema Sidekicks. He's been promoting it, and I really appreciate that. And The Nightlight has been fantastic to work with as far as they themselves promoting this series and the rest of the Halloween-themed movies uh, coming in October, and I really, really appreciate that, and I'm really hoping to work with them more in the future on more of these uh, movie freaks, movie nights. Uh, not necessarily all of them will be horror, but uh, but I want to bring our own flair to the nightlight, the late night crowd, and just uh, show some of these cool older movies on the big screen. So I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to it. So get your tickets. In advance, I would suggest, because there has been a lot of interest in these movies, seeing the these Fulci movies on the big screen. So you can go to nightlightcinema.com and purchase your tickets on their website or at their box office. Um, and obviously, you can show up at the box office the day of, but there's only 50 seats in this theater. So I would recommend, if you are going to do that, get there early and uh, and have a drink with me at the bar, and let's chat movies. I would love to meet all of you. So... You can also get a hold of me at, on, on, we are on Facebook, Four Nights of Fulci. We're on Twitter, Four, Four Nights of Fulci. And you can send any correspondence about the event uh, to uh, Four Nights of Fulci at yahoo.com. And then you can also get a hold of me at eugene weaver at hotmail.com. And um, uh, please stay tuned for an upcoming episode very soon of, uh, of Movie Freaks. And of course, I have to give a shout out to our friends Cinema Sidekicks. Uh, I'm looking forward to Steve being a part of the Four Nights of Fulci. I know that he's coming up to at least two of them, and I really appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate his support on that. And um, uh, there's another really great podcast out there called uh, Horror uh, News Radio. They've made mention of this twice now, and I really I, I love that, that, uh, that they've 
they've been promoting this thing as well. I'm playing my, my audio clip on there, so thank you very much for that. Uh, anyway, that's going to do it for my show today. Uh, thanks again for listening, and please, please support the Green Inferno in the theater if at all possible. It's not going to be around for long because it didn't do that good, uh, but it's not every day that you are able to see a movie like this in the theater, and so we as horror fans... I think we should support stuff like this. And I, again, I'm rooting for Eli Roth. I, I like that he's still trying to make these cool old school horror movies when um, a lot of that type of thing ends up on Netflix and they're not that good. He's actually getting budgets for these things, nice size budgets and doing it. And I, I really appreciate that. So anyway, that's going to do it for my show today. Again, thanks for listening. <laughs>